Thad Lanthrop, and I am the administrative pastor here at Church in the Valley. Um, there's a, a handout in your program, and you might notice on that handout that there's a different name at the top. Um, pastor Alex Barrett, he's the campus pastor here at Alhambra. He came down with strep throat on Friday, and so I am stepping in to help out um, this morning. I'm bummed that he's sick, but I'm glad for the opportunity to, to be here with you all. Um, I'm on staff here at Church in the Valley, but most of my Sunday responsibilities are at the Diamond Bar campus. And so I'm excited that um, I, I get to be here. I'm, I'm bummed that he's sick, but I'm glad to, to be here with you all this morning. My wife, Gina, and our, our kids, she, they had to stay at the Diamond Bar campus because of the last notice, um, but they would... They would like to be here as well, but she's teaching in the, the kids' zone there. So the last time I was here was in July. Um, I was thinking, oh, I was just there not too long ago, and then I looked at the calendar. I was like, oh, that was seven months ago. So it, it's, been, it's been a little while. Um, but I'm excited to continue our message series this morning called What's Best Today. In this series, we've surveyed many passages and truths from the Bible that, that give us some, some really good guidance on how to choose to do what's best in our everyday lives. In the first week, we exposed some villains of progress um, in Psalm 34, 11 through 14. We experience the best life possible by turning from evil and doing good. We talked about how to defeat the four villains of ambiguity, overload, lack of fulfillment, and the fear of missing out. In week two, we, we took a look at what, what God wants done. Ephesians shows how we were made and remade to do good works to the glory of God. In God's wisdom, he made good works a part of everyday life. And so even the mundane routine tasks that we have to get done, we can do those to the glory of God. And there's purpose and meaning in those tasks. In week three, we looked at the best. Um, we discovered what the guiding, that the guiding principle for a Christ follower's life is love. The best, most productive thing that we can do in any situation is to look how, how we can love God and, and love others. In week four, we saw that God's grace is what motivates us to do good works and to be fruitful. We saw that in the freedom to produce if we choose our own self-effort and just try to, to make the best of ourselves and do the best we can, we just we run out of steam. But with God's grace, he can give us power to really um, live out and do good works. And then in week five, we took a look at peace in the chaos. We tend to look at peace as circumstantial. If I have enough money, if my relationships are right, if I and doing a good job at work, then I'm going to have peace. But peace doesn't have to be circumstantial. If we take things to God and ask him to help us, he can bring peace in any situation, even with a, a mounting list of to-dos that we have to get done. So that's a quick overview of the message series. Maybe you've missed a, a message or two, and you'd like, as we were going through it, you'd like to go back and and listen to it. You can do that on our website at churchinthevalley.com. If you missed any of those messages and you'd like to, to go back and listen to them, you can do that there. 
Today we're going to take a look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, to see the, the core factor in choosing to do what's best. Because it turns out that the strategies and the techniques for being productive, they, they just aren't enough. I've tried a lot of, of time manage, management, productivity strategies. I've tried to do a lot of them. And it's tempting to look to these external solutions and think that's it. That's the, that's the magic key. It's going to bring it all together for me. It's going to bring life together. I'm going to be able to be the, this just productivity machine if I'm able to do this. It's easy. It's tempting to look at those to be the solution to our, our problems. And some of them can be a, a big help, but that's not all there is to it. Before I came on staff at Church in the Valley, at my, my job right before I, I came out here a couple of years ago, I was the director of operations for a small business. We had about 40 employees. And one, one day my boss we, and I were talking, and he said, I want you to focus on productivity in the workplace. How can you help our employees to be productive? And so one, one of the things that, that I started to do was I started to research. What do we do? How do we be productive? What, what, how can we, we do this? I looked into um, different books, different time management strategies, and one of the things that the time management gurus all tell you to do is establish a baseline. Start with where you're actually spending your time. So I filled out a spreadsheet of every 15 minutes, what, what I was doing, what my time, where my time was going. And then as technology got developed, I found an app for that. Um, I was able to download this app, track where my time was going, where it was going. I, I, then for a period of time, I had everybody in the office filling out priority lists. That was our thing for a while. Um, we're going to fill out these priority lists on one side of the whiteboard was Everything, every project they had going on the other side of the whiteboard was them ranking it, which one they're going to work on first and going down so their managers could come by and say, you know what, I'd like you to do that one first. We did that for a while. I used my calendar on my computer, on my phone, tried to sync them all up. And these tools were all really helpful. But there was one constant in all of them that just wasn't quite working out. And that was me. The technology, these tools, they didn't automate me. I was still in the middle of all of them. And I still had to make the choices to discipline myself in order to make the most of my time. I've been to time management seminars, and I go through the seminar, and I I think, this is it. I've got it all figured out. Here we go. I'm ready. And then two weeks later, I'm back into my old habits of doing things. I've read books. Back in high school, I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Um, That was the teen version that I read back then. I've read One Minute Manager for Ken Blanchard. I've read One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey on Delegation, really good book on delegation. I've read Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. And I've read The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. If you set out to improve your productivity, it helps. It helps to have tools. It helps to have training and tools to look at these books. But there's one factor that's more essential than all the training and the tools that you can have, and that's character. Character 
is the most important factor in your productivity. Character, it it lies beneath all these external solutions and tools. It's like an iceberg. You see the tip of an iceberg, but what what lies beneath that that the water that you can't see is just massive. In the same way, what's inside us impacts our productivity the most. We all live out of a set of values that we hold. Values are what's most important to us. And when we talk about character, what we're talking about there, character is the set of values that's solidified in us into our way of life. That's what we're talking about when we talk about character. And as you dig into the Bible, you find that who you are is what makes the most impact on whether or not you choose to do what's best each day. So let's dive in. Let's take a look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9 to see, to see what we find there about our character and how that impacts our productivity. For this reason, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers on earth. And in this, this passage, he lays out a sequence of building character qualities that actually build on each other to help us to live the most productive life. He tells us to make every effort in order to become more effective and fruitful. Literally, the word there for making every effort is like put the pedal to the metal. You know, when you want to get somewhere really fast, you put the pedal to the metal. You step on the skinny one and you get there. That's what it's talking about, saying don't wait to add these things into your life. Do it now. Get it done. Add these character qualities into your life. Let's look again at verse 8. It says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's dig into these verses a little more. Let's take a little closer look and see how these play out in our life and how we need to add these into our life so that we can have that character required for the most productive life to be able to do what's best today. The first quality that it talks about is faith. Not a, and this, this faith, it's not talking about just a mere belief, but it's faith, it's, it's approach. Approaching life by depending on Christ and Christ alone. Faith begins when we trust him, we trust God to the extent that we adopt his moral direction for our lives. We put God in the driver's seat 
and we, we go with our life where he takes us. Next, this verse says, supplement faith with virtue. Now, some, some translations of, of this verse um, substitute out virtue with goodness. But what, it, what this word really is, is courageous, active, good. You're doing courageous, active, good. It has an idea of valor behind it. Our faith isn't effective unless it translates into action. We must take steps to do right in situations or to do right towards others. It's not simply just a cognitive faith, but it's working itself out in real life. Faith with virtue is, is doing something that you know is right regardless of what, of what others might think might think of you. So maybe at work, you notice your boss needs help with something. And you also know that if you help your boss, there's going to be some consequences of people at work calling you, you know, calling you the boss's pet or um, getting on to you like you're trying to get ahead of them at work. But you do it anyway. You help the boss out. Faith with virtue is choosing to do what right regardless of what of what people think. And then Second Peter goes on to say that we add knowledge to virtue. It's hard to know the virtue that we need to do if we don't have the knowledge of what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act, what the Bible says for us to do in certain situations. Then after knowledge, he says we add self-control. The scripture says that that one of the things that Scripture says is that knowledge, it can puff us up, can give us a big head. If we know all these things, it can make us feel like we know it all, and it, it, it puffs us up. It makes us proud. And so we have to be careful that we don't treat the, the Christian life as just learning some key facts about what, what the Bible says, and then thinking we have it all, all figured out, we have it all um, put together. The Christian life is much more than just knowledge. Knowledge is good and it's needed, but we also need to add to it self-control so that we can choose to follow what God says and not just use the knowledge to puff us up, to make us feel like we, we know what we're doing. We got this all figured out. Then to self-control, we must add steadfastness. Steadfastness is an upbeat, hopeful endurance. As you aim to, to make a difference in life, it's hard to see really how stead, being steadfast really makes an impact on our life. You tend to only see the, the fruit of being steadfast when you look over years of your life. You don't see the fruit of it necessarily in, the, in just days and, and months. You have to look back on years. But being steadfast, it means we choose to live for what's most important to God each day in faith. And we do this with the knowledge and the hope that he's going to use what we're doing for his, his good and his purposes. We have to stay upbeat in the face of, of discouragement. That's what it's talking about here. When it feels like we aren't making any progress, 
Choose steadfastness. Keep plugging away. Keep, keep moving forward. Even when, if we disappoint ourselves, we have to choose steadfastness, this upbeat endurance. We confess our wrong to God, and we move on in faith. And then next, this, this verse says, we add godliness. Godliness is a deep reverence for God that looks to his interests in all situations. God becomes our reference point for our choices, the choices that we make. There's some, some mountains out here. I was driving on the way here. I saw some mountains um, over here. There's mountains by my house in Chino, too. Um, and that, those mountains, they orient me to where north is. Without those mountains, I'm not sure I would be able to figure it out. I'm not very direction savvy. But the mountains, they help me. I can, they orient me to where north is. And that's what, what this godliness is talking about is that we look to the Bible for guidance, and that, that helps us to know which way we need to go. As we choose godliness, God leads us to do good for his glory, and ultimately, that's going to be the most productive way to live. It's going to help us to choose what's best each day. It's interesting how all of these character qualities work together. They, we, need, we need them all to be godly, I need to have the knowledge of what God would want me to do in, in certain situations. But then to make it happen, I also need self-control. And then to keep doing it over and over again, I need to be steadfast. I have to have that upbeat, hopeful endurance. They all work together. And then keeping going on here. So then Peter says, we add brotherly affection to godliness. This helps us to avoid the trap of being the know-it-all. Having brotherly effect, affection helps us to not just be this know-it-all that as we relate to other people, we repel them. Because nobody wants to be around the guy who's got it all figured out, who's the know-it-all, who, who's, who's going to just um, tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I need to do in order to fix it. It repels people in your family, at work, at church. So brotherly affection helps us to avoid that trap. And then the verse says, wrap all of these qualities together with love. The final character quality mentioned here is love. And the kind of love that it's talking about is sacrificial love. It's sacrificial active love. You're doing something to love somebody in a way that, that you might have to sacrifice. Through sacrificial love, we, we can put God's will and the interests of others above our own will. So this list of, of how character grows, it, it sets us up for the kind of life that, that God really uses for good, to be productive. The kind of life that, where we can be productive. If character is, is, is what is needed to be truly productive, if we need these character quality, qualities in our life, it, it just begs us to ask the question, how do, we, how do we get these in our life? Well, one thing to keep in mind is that character, it's not just going to happen in, in a classroom. We can't just sit down for a certain number of hours and get, you know, character certified 
and get our little our certification and, and hand it in. That's not how character works. You can't just go into work tomorrow and, and say, you know what? We talked about character at church yesterday. Guess what? I, I got it all together. I figured it out. I got the character to get the job done. So if you have any questions, come talk to me. That's not how character works. God changes us and grows our character in the middle of life experience. That's how it happens. That's how we get character into our lives. So here's three ways that God builds our character to make us more productive. The first one is time with God, time with him. Second Peter three seventeen and 18 talks about that in the in the passage. Um, we're not we don't have it on the screen this morning. You can look it up later if you'd like. But in that mass, in that passage, he tells us to avoid error by growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We grow in these things by reading the Bible and through and through prayer. God, you, you get to know God through firsthand experience. As you start spending time with God, the words of the pages start to, to jump out at you. And they show you different ways that you can change to, to conform your character, transform to be more like Christ and God. Just last week, there was... There was just something with my, my son that I said that seemed to not go over too well, and I, I wasn't exactly sure what I had, had said that, that was wrong. I didn't really know what I said was true, but I, I, I couldn't figure it out, so I prayed and asked God for help. And I was in the middle of, of a training, um, a North Star training that we do here at, at Church in the Valley, and I was in the middle of it and um, leading it, and God just convicted me. He pointed to me. He said, what you said to him was true, but you didn't think about how it would make him feel, how it would make how it would impact him. You saying it as his father. God spoke to me. And I was able to go and clear up that relationship with my son because I I didn't put his interests above my own. I was saying something that was true to get him to do what I wanted him to do. And that was serving my interests and not his. God will show us areas of life that we need to change and grow in as we spend time with him. God will help us to, to grow in character as we dig into the Bible and, and pray. And a second way that God builds our character is through the church community. Ephesians um, talks about this. To grow in the character described in, in 2 Peter, we must be connected and contributing to a church to a church body. Being connected exposes us to a community of people who are aiming to, to grow in the character that we want. Being connected, it exposes us to this. And when we see people handle life in a certain way and relate kindly and they're gracious, God uses this to give us a different picture of how we can then live. A few years ago, I was, I was in a meeting of, of um, some leaders at a church I went to in Fort Worth called Hope Church, and we were getting ready to go on a, a church retreat, a men's retreat, 
and a need came up in the meeting where one of, one of the guys that somebody was connected to, he couldn't go. He didn't have the money to go to the meeting. And people just started throwing money in the middle of, of this circle that we were in. And the, this guy, he, he showed up a little late. He had some other responsibilities. He showed up to the meeting late. He just walks up and he sees people throwing money in the middle of the circle. And he just throws money in there. He says, hey, what are we doing this for? That example, being connected to the church community and that example was powerful in my life. I wanted that. I wanted to think first about how I could be generous, not am I going to have enough money for the hamburger I want tomorrow at lunch? He gave and then he figured out, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. It was going for him. He was generous first. That challenged me. That's what happens when you're a part of a community. You get challenged like that. You get exposed to different values, to character qualities that people have practiced and worked into their lives. And you can learn to conform and be like that too, to transform your life to be like that. We need exposure to people with character to become a person of character. That's what this is about. God also uses pressure, pressure in our life. Trouble and difficulty reveal who we are on the inside. It shows our real, true character when we're, we're in a pressure situation. We face hard times. The pressure squeezes us. And then what's on the inside comes out. God allows trouble to let us see who we really are. Trouble gives us the opportunity to choose to trust in him so that we can grow in the things he wants us to learn. Trouble tends to make us clamp down, focus on ourselves. That's what it tends to do. When we focus only on the here and now and on our situation, the pressures of life that are coming at us, we become nearsighted, like Second Peter 1.9 was talking about. And nearsightedness, it can cause us to miss opportunities to do what's best right now. Focusing only on our time and our resources will cause us to not give ourselves to the things that God wants us to give ourselves to. There's a bigger picture that God is working, he's working from. And as we learn to cooperate with God and the ways he grows character in us, we become more productive. I want to share um, a video with you from Aaron San Juan. He's a member here at the Alhambra campus, and he's going to share how stepping into our church community is something that God has used to grow his character. So let's take a look at this video. So we're not going to take a look at that video, but I will give you a quick, a quick summary of, of what he said. And you can ask him later. He was the guy on the guitar, playing the guitar up here on the far right. Um, but what he talked about is as he got around people, as he made the sacrifice to get here early, 
to show up. He's on the operate or facilities team on the worship band. As he made that sacrifice, he didn't really want to at first, but as he did it, God used the experience of being around those guys and how they worked, how they related. He used that experience to really show him some ways in his life that he can he can apply them at work and beyond. And that's what God does. I'm really grateful for the congregation that God has given us here at Church in the Valley, where the character that we've talked about this morning in Second Peter 1, it's lived out. Not perfectly, but as a congregation, the people are trying to do these things. They're trying to have this character in a way and practice it in a way that they can really live by what the Bible is saying, how the Bible is guiding their life. And when that happens, when you get around people who are trying to do that, it encourages you to, to do the same. So let's, let's take a moment here just, just to think. What, where are you experiencing pressure in your life right now? What character may God be, be trying to build into you through it? What could prevent you from, from learning what God's trying to, to teach you through that press, pressure situation? Maybe bailing out or isolation or not spending time with God. Those, those might keep you from learning what God wants you to learn through those situations. And then what opportunities are around you now, right now, that God may want you to be a part of that he could use to grow you? Maybe there's a need that you know of that you can help meet, that God could use to help you, um, that you could be a part of. Or maybe you want to get information about serving here at Church in the Valley or being a part of group life here. But take some time to think through those things over this next week and ask God to help you to see the big picture of what he's doing in you and around you so that you don't miss out on those opportunities. And how God might be trying to to grow your character. Please pull out that connection card that Jeremy mentioned earlier. Um, Take that out of your your program. Begin filling that out. Um, Any information that you might might have not had a chance to earlier. Um, I'd also like to ask the worship team to come back on stage um, and the ushers to prepare to receive the offering. There's a couple of things on the back of there that are next steps that you might want to take in response to the message today. Uh, the first is to read through 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9, and ask God for more insight on that verse. That, that verse is just packed with different character qualities and traits um, that you might want to apply to your life to figure out. Ask God to show you what it is that that he might want you to do and work on this week. And then also just connect to the church body by serving and or being a, a part of a, a group this, uh, this spring. Those are great ways to get exposed to people, get exposed to, to different way of living, to the character in people's lives. And that can help you and encourage you to grow in, in your character towards God as well. Let's pray as we continue to worship. Lord, we just thank you just for the opportunity to be here this morning, um, to learn from you, to, to be together with um, 
the different people, our friends, people that we might not know here. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to take what you have spoken to us about this morning and, and practice it in our lives. Help us not to be puffed up by knowledge, but to be actively doing good works. And help us to do that this week and beyond, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.